Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston. Charles is not here today, but I am joined by very special guest, Mr. Jack Rosenthal, the founder of the Young Investors Club. Jack, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. All right, so we were just discussing beforehand. Uh, we haven't met before. This is our first time really talking, but I am very interested in what you're doing. And I don't know if you know this about us, but we actually run a trading class also, which we tell our listeners about quite a bit. So what myself and Charlie do every single day, what I've been doing all day is trading stocks. I just closed out a Thinkorswim right whenever we started this episode. So with all that in mind, let's talk, let's talk about some stocks and what it means to, to actually invest and for us investing in your future. But I, I want to know a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Well, this will be awesome because you'll get to learn more about me at the same time the audience learns more about me. And first of all, before I get started, can I just say you got an amazing radio voice there? I mean, it sounds perfect. It's Thank like you very much, back. man. I appreciate that. Um, anyway, so yeah, more about me. So my name is Jack Rosenthal. I'm 18 years old. I just finished up my freshman year at college. Um, when I was eight years old, I started trading stocks. And when I was 14 years old, I started this thing called the Young Investors Club. And basically what that was, was that was a way to allow teenagers to invest in the stock market collectively. Each teenager put in $1,000. We had roughly 20 teenagers that first year that I got to sign up. Um, by the time my junior year came around, we had close to 40 teenagers and $40,000 in assets under management of the club. And by the end of that year, I decided I want to make the club the largest teen investing club in the country. So by the end of that year, we had close to 100 members and over $120,000 in assets for the teen investing club, making us the largest that I'm aware of teen investing club in terms of assets in the country. Um, and then just real quick, right after that, I wrote my first book, Teen Investing, which I got a copy of me. I got a copy of right here. Um, and that's all about, you know, pretty much how teenagers can get started in and how teenagers that already invest in the stock market kind of continue investing in the stock market and learn some cool strategies from me. Um, and then most recently, I wrote my latest book, Teen Entrepreneurship, which is already doing great. And that's, and that's where we are today. Now, you started this at 14 years old. What, got, what got you into this at such an early age? Yeah. Well, so I actually started trading stocks at eight years old, even earlier than that. Wow. I just started the club when I was 14. Um, the reason why I started the club is I was looking for a way to invest real dollars alongside other teenagers. Up to that point, I was looking for things in my local community, looking online, couldn't find a way to invest real dollars alongside other teenagers. So I created my own club. That, that's a, now, okay. When you were eight, what what would your what's your what's your go to stock when you're when you're eight? What kind of stuff are you going towards right then? I wish I could tell you the first stock I invested in because then I'd like that'd be such a cool story. <laughs> um, but when I was eight years old, I think what I did. Okay, so it's actually funny. So the way that I got started is my grandfather gave me a few thousand dollars to invest the stock market. He said, all right, Jack, here's a small portfolio. You can decide how you want to allocate it. What stocks do you want to put in? Um, and my brother had the same thing set up for him, but he wasn't interested in the stock market. So my brother, my grandfather's put it all in the S&P for my brother. And I got the option to, to decide what I want to invest in. So I was eight years old, Jackson there trying to crack the stock market and trying to beat the S&P and trying to figure out which stocks I could invest in. And this is actually an important story to the listeners because I actually failed. 
that first year, I, I like lost 4%. I took the few thousand dollars invested into 16 different stocks. And then, you know, these were small cap companies. I didn't really know a lot about them. I was looking off rough numbers and unfortunately I didn't get it right. So I lost 4%. Well, my brother made like 10% that year in the S&P because my grandfather just dumped it all the S&P. So you can only imagine how angry I was. I was like, I put all this time and effort into learning about it. And I still lost and made more, less than my brother who didn't do anything and made more than me. Um, so anyway, ever since then, I've been learning more about the stock market and fortunately I've done a little bit better since then. So uh, that's how I first got started though. How important would you say it was for you to fail that first year? Because uh, I hear all the horror stories about about people losing their accounts, people losing a lot of money. But then I hear a lot of other horror stories about people who succeed as soon as they start. And they never really learn the proper money management because they never needed to, because they were always making money. And then it blows up. So how important yeah. would you say that is? Yeah, no, it's extremely important. Um, feeling really early on, kind of got over that hurdle a lot earlier in life than most people do. You're failing at eight years old is a lot better at failing than 30 years old when you got a family to support or a mortgage to pay, you know, losing, I have a few thousand dollars, losing 4% isn't going to kill anyone. Um, so anyway, it, but it really taught me that like, first of all, the stock market is not money in the bank. It moves up and down. Um, and second, what, I, what I've learned from that and what I personally like to do is I only really invest in large cap companies in the stock market. That's where I found the money's been for the last 10 years. Most of the growth from the S&P has come from like the top, I'd say 10% of that S&P. Um, the remaining stocks have still been good, but they haven't just performed as big as, the, uh, as big as the large cap ones, at least for the last 10 years, as long as I've been trading. Um, so anyway, they called me those, tell me that lesson. And uh, yeah, ever since then, I've mostly played with the, the bigger companies. So start doing this from the time that you're eight, starting this club when you're 14. Do you have you been able to identify what your driver is to doing this? Because a lot of eight year olds, a lot of 10 year olds are, you know, they're playing outside or they're riding bikes or something like that. Like what what's your drive behind doing this? Um, great question. So yeah, my passion at an early age has always been investing in entrepreneurship, both kind of co coincide. Um, and yeah, you know, other kids play basketball outside, other kids play tennis, other kids play chess, other kids played call of duty. My thing was always investing. It's just always what I've been passionate about. And I don't think anyone really taught it to me. I think I was just kind of born interested in it. Now, the idea behind the Young Investors Club, I really like it a lot because, you know, we do we do a political podcast here. We, we talk about getting away from the, the government, all that stuff. We don't have to really go into any politics here. But what we really, really try to get across is that you need to make your own way, that you need to find your own individual liberty. That's really what we're talking about on Good Morning Liberty. So, is that, I mean, is that something you think is important for all the young people you're trying to get to join this club? I mean, I mean, the answer it's an obvious answer, of yeah. course. Um, and, you know, one thing about the government and investing, because people always seem like, you know, they seem to like decide whether they're going to invest based off the government. I can tell you just from what I've observed, I'm obviously not a super a super wealthy investor or even a wealthy investor. What I've observed from other wealthy investors is they always seem to make money whether there's a Democrat administration or Republican administration, good gov friendly government, bad, not friendly government, you know, if times are good, times are bad, they seem to continuously uh, rise and see investment gains. So I think that the the top 
1% isn't really paying too much attention to like what's going on in politics. It kind of doesn't affect their investments too much. That's just my one thought there. Um, and then, yeah, it's great to get kids involved at an early age. I think the club and really bringing all those kids together really was a lot more motivating than just expecting everyone to do it on their own. Also, this club, when I was 14, was at a time before investing was like the cool thing. Now with Robinhood, a bunch of young 18-year-olds getting in started in it, a lot like kids down. I was in college, like a kid right across the dorm room, you know, interested in investing um, just because it's like, you know, Robin Hood and it's a cool thing to do. Back when I was 14, not as many kids were interested and really was a great way to bring a lot of kids together and, you know, share their passion around investing. So you mentioned Robin Hood and I, and I remember that you reached out to us based on an episode that we did talking about the whole Wall Street bets, Robin Hood, that, that whole thing. Do you think what's been going on with Wall Street bets has been a, has been a positive thing for the market overall? Or is it, I mean, is it even positive for the people who are randomly throwing in money and hoping that it's going to explode sometime? Like, do you consider that the same kind of good investment as say buying some of these large cap stocks. Well, you know, it's funny. I saw the guy that started that whole Wall Street bets movement ended up making like 20 million or something off GameStop. So it seems to me like, you know, he's like pitching, oh, we're against the big guy. We're against the 1%. Dude, if you're making 20 million in one year, you I have news for you. You are the 1%. You are the rich. <laughs> yeah. You know, and to some extent, I think he took advantage of that big audience he had and profited in himself. Um, so yeah, I mean, the whole thing that happened with uh GameStop and AMC, I mean, it's just people gamifying the stock market. You know, I got a little brother, he invests in the stock market now, not because not because he cares about investing, but he's like a gambler. And I think there's a lot of young gambler teenagers where instead of betting on horses or instead of betting on you know sports in addition to that they're betting in the stock market and that's all that happened with game stock and amc so you know i don't think that it had anything to do with the fundamentals of the company investing trends like that if you can find them early on are great to take advantage of but it's not really a long-term strategy that's going to play out and make the majority of people any real money yeah my worry about this has been because uh, i mentioned we we have a stock investing class also and uh, people in the class would tell you, I stay away from all of the Wall Street bet stocks. In fact, we, we have daily day trading uh, strategies set up and I will not include any Wall Street, uh, Wall Street bet stocks in those because they don't they don't fit the patterns they, they don't they don't behave like a lot of the other stocks do. What I've tried to tell everyone in our class is that it's great to throw out a gamble and buy some options and it pays off really well. But if you don't have if you don't actually have the foundation behind you of, you know, why is this happening? What is your risk management? What I'm worried about is a lot of people are going to make some money and then just lose it all. Or a lot of people are going to put a bunch of money in thinking they're going to make it and and they're actually just going to lose all of it. Have you seen a lot of that happen? Um, I'm trying to think. I haven't had any friends that have lost like significant amounts of the stock market, but you definitely see there's an example. I mean, a Robin has someone, a teenager committed suicide because he thought he lost a lot of money in the stock market. Um, so there's obviously examples of that. Yeah. I mean, I, my guess is it wouldn't work with the kind of trading stuff you guys are doing just because it wouldn't follow those normal trading patterns. But yeah, I mean, if you can get on one of those things early, like, you know, it's like the crypto coins, you know, most of them are all just garbage. Everything besides Bitcoin, Ethereum, and maybe like a few others are really just garbage at the end of the day. But, and I'm sorry to insult everyone who's like holding other ones. No, um, I don't hold any crypto. And the only thing I'm looking to do right now is buy Bitcoin off of 40,000, maybe 35. And uh, that's, that's about it right now. 
yeah, it seems like it might be a good time to get into a bit soon. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's like the same thing. But if you can get in one of those coins early, you know, and sell at the high or sell once the mainstream media gets advantage or gets a hold of it, or you know, once it becomes a lot of big news, kind of like GameStop. Like if you were in the if you were in the forums hearing about it before the uh, the news got a hold of it, then there's some opportunity to make some money. But besides that, you shouldn't really waste too much time looking at that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, before we get into some of the I don't know. I don't ask about some of the stocks that you like right now, but what I, what I also want to know is part of your backstory. Who are some, are there some investors that you look up to? Are there a lot of, are there a lot of influences that you've had or have you just kind of steer clear of all that? Yeah. My biggest guy, um, he, you know, a mentor, he wasn't a mentor in the sense that he really, I mean, he taught me some things, but he didn't really teach me anything that was like so clear was kind of like just his general psychology mentality. Um, there's actually a very successful real estate developer who lives in my town that I met around the same time I started the Young Investors Club. Uh, he took a liking to me early on. He was like responsible for building. I remember there's this whole development, like 500 homes. I heard about his name building that. I heard some other stuff. He built like thousands of homes across where I live. He built, he owns a ton of buildings now but from all the profits he took from uh, from building those homes. He owns like an Equinox. He owns a ton of buildings. Anyway, so I, I met him when I was 14 years old. He took a liking to me, really took me under his wing. I went to some construction sites with him, a lot of fun. Got to hang out. I got to hang out with him. Still talk to him. Still stay in touch with him today. And he was really just a mentor in terms of like, um, kind of what I want to be when I'm older, and kind of teaching me some mentality and kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of, kind of something for me to emulate. He didn't teach me anything so specific, but he was just a really great example of someone that I kind of want to be like when I'm older. So if there's someone who's like a mentor to me. It'd probably be him. Okay. Um, the, now getting into now, obviously, I'm not going to ask you what you were investing strategy is because that's coveted information we can't we can't go over that exactly but are you looking into some stocks that are say down a bunch right now looking to get into some of those are you looking at just continuing to ride these uptrends on say some of the big tech stocks uh, what what are you looking at right now yeah, I'm a buy and hold kind of guy for the most part. I'm not a trader like you guys. So I don't pretend to know too much about that. Um, but yeah, I'm more of a buy and hold investor, but I definitely do try and get into the stocks when I see some kind of opportunity, like the stock dropped, you know, 5%, 8%, something like that. Those are usually good opportunities to get in at a cheap price for the long run. But usually I don't sell. Usually I just hold. Yeah. So so you when you say you buy and hold, how long do you typically hold things? Uh, I'd say average two years, okay. something like that. Yeah, long time horizon. You got to remember, I'm a lot younger. So if I want, I could just hold something for 30 years and I'll still be 40 or 50 by the time I get out of it. So so I, because that kind of gives me an advantage and other young investors and advantage over older investors, you can just afford to wait out the storm. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I'm, I'm kind of jealous actually because I didn't get into trading until I was uh, uh, 25, 26, something like that. I wish I would have started buying some things when I was 10 years old, that, that would have been a great idea. And uh, instead I was probably messing around with Halo or Call of Duty or something like that. Um, but, uh, so you're holding things for quite a long time. What people don't realize is, well, I think some people know, but a lot of people don't, the long-term trend of the market is up, right? I mean, that you said your brother made 10% off of the S&P. You know, so is that a good idea? Just buy the S&P and hold that until you retire? 
I mean, hey, I recommend that for a lot of people. A lot of people, you're going to be way better off in the S&P than doing whatever your financial advisor, not a financial, not a registered financial advisor. All of this is entertainment purposes only. But a lot of people have seen to do a lot better investing in the S&P, just leaving all your money there than, you know, listening to your complicated financial advisor who gets paid 1% of your money's plan. Uh, well, we're going to put this percentage of this, this percentage of that. Uh, you know, whatever your end, your end of the day return is probably going to be like six or seven percent with the advisor, minus of course their fees. Whereas you can make ten percent on average year over year in the S and P, or that's what it's been doing over the last you know twenty years. Well, I I um it not you know the last twenty have been good. I also I've tested every single year of the S and P, trying to build retirement strategies, things like that. I mean, what people don't realize is that they get worried about the the depressions, the big fall downs, things like that. And what people don't realize is that as long as you're adding in to your investment every year and you hold through those times, you can actually make a, a pretty good amount of money. I tested strategies, like say you started a retirement account five years before the Great Depression happened. You still come out really, really well by the time you retire if you're putting in money because you're buying at such a good price. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think even if you buy in like two, 2007 or 2008, like just before the crash, I think you still end up making all your money back in like two and a half years, maybe less. And then not to mention, if you hold for five years after that, you're already way in the green. So yeah, if you could just afford to wait out the storm, you'll you'll you can't guarantee you'll be good but you'll almost always be good you know investing in the top 500 largest u.s companies which are producing all the products and services we use every day from computers to you know electricity to you know everything so you're you're going towards obviously younger people and younger people are into things like crypto and all that right now but you said you're it seems like you're not real big into i i would say it is gambling on a bunch of the crypto right yeah, um, I'm not really huge into it. I'm thinking about doing another topic of a book on crypto because there is a huge market demand for it for young people getting involved in it. Um, I personally am a skeptic of, like, as I said, most of the cryptocurrencies besides Bit and Ethereum. I mean, it, like, it seems to be like the wild, wild west of cryptocurrency. Anyone can just create a coin nowadays. And if they have an audience, that coin has value suddenly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have their own dollars. But yeah, Ethereum, I think, is interesting because all the NFTs trade in Ethereum. And I think NFTs, not right now, but I think in 10 years, there's going to be more of a market for them definitely even longer than that. Um, and then Bitcoin uh, is just a good alternative to gold. So I think those two have some solid value behind them. I think the markets, I think the values that they have right now are probably going to continue to grow. And, and I think that those two, like the class A cryptocurrency, just like I was saying, I invest in the class A stocks. I think the class A cryptocurrencies are going to be good long-term investments. I personally put $5,000 into Ethereum like a month ago and it doubled. So I'm happy with my crypto investments so far, but, uh, but yeah, I hope to put some more in soon. I'm I'm pretty much the same way. I'm Bitcoin and Ethereum and everything else to me is just gambling. And if you like gambling, that's okay. You know, then just admit that you're gambling. That's that's really what I tell people in the class. Like we have a gambles channel in the Discord. And I said just just admit like you're gambling if you buy this. There's no reason for it to go up unless someone tweets the right thing, something like that. If you want to buy Dogecoin, sure, oh. maybe maybe we'll see. Uh, but it's just gambling. But then you get things like Bitcoin and Ethereum that actually have real world uses. And that's a that's and things with actual institutional investors holding them, banks holding them, which is why I like Bitcoin uh, a lot, even though it's the boring old person's cryptocurrency right now. Uh, <laughs> that That's the one that I'm still talking about in, in our class. 
Um, Bitcoin's got the name. It's got the first mover advantage. It's got the name value. That will always outbeat anything else, even if uh, Ethereum, which is probably a better, faster version of it, the name brand value will always outbeat it. Like if you look at Exxon Mobil or you know some of these companies, once they build up their name value, they're just unstoppable. Now you, I see three books for you on Amazon. Is that is that the one you got? Three that books. Is correct. Okay. So I got CR and you, of course your listeners are welcome to go check these out and go get I'll, them. I will put links in the show notes for everyone. Um, so the first book's teen investing. That's the one I wrote uh, after I running the young investors club, kind of a whole bunch of principles around investing. Second one's teen entrepreneurship. That one's all about, you know, how young people can get involved in entrepreneurship. And then the third one you're seeing is teen investing 101, which is just a quick terms lit, uh, book that I put together of like 101 of the most important terms you should know as an investor slash personal finance. So the, I, I want to know, I know we've already gone over this a few times. Do you have a lot of pushback since you're dealing with younger people when it comes to long-term investing? Because a lot of a lot of younger people, they want things right now. They want these gains right now. They don't want to think about, they don't want to think about 40-year-old Nate out there. Like the, that's not who they want to think about. They want to, they want that money. They want their, they want their Lambo here in a couple of years. Do you get, do you get a lot of pushback from that or is it pretty easy to find people that are interested in long-term investing i think that kind of once you sell them on the idea of like you know wait a minute this money's gonna be worth a lot more and it's gonna be a lot more valuable to you in 20 years from now than it is right now like yeah you want to get the latest xbox game but i think it's pretty obvious to tell that a house is probably going to be more important to you than the latest xbox game and if you keep saving up your money you don't pull it out you leave it there you keep adding more money to your stock portfolio you'll one day be able to afford a house and i think that if you can sell that vision to teenagers i think the majority of them will buy into it and they have so the what i what i want to get is, is some advice for some younger people and we we do have I don't know, middle of the road audience, most of pretty much everyone is in their 20s, but a lot of people that listen to it also have kids. So, you know, what's your pitch for deciding to start investing right now instead of waiting until you can put money in your 401k here in 10 years or so? Yeah, well, I think the biggest uh, statistic is something I read once, which is like, $1 now is the equivalent to $8 in the future, like some later date. I forget the exact number of years, but just that huge, vast quantity difference of that's the compounding effect of leaving your money in the stock market and adding it to over time just means that like investing something buying something for like $40 right now or buying something for $100 right now is the same thing as spending $800 of future money. I think that's a really powerful concept, which which you, which you if you can understand it, will really encourage you to save as much of your money as possible and keep it invested in the stock market. Um, but anyway, my biggest pitch would just be, yeah, every single person's like you. They, they regret that they didn't even get involved in the stock market earlier. And you got involved pretty early 25. Most people wait even longer than that. So hats off to you. But yeah, the biggest thing is that almost every single investor wishes they got in earlier. So might as well take advantage as early as humanly possible. Good, uh, uh, you know, not to not to step on your business here, but good book idea geared towards parents getting their kids and in, interested in this, you know, at at an early ages. So maybe maybe they're not interested, so they won't pick up your books. But maybe you know, teaching the parents how important this is for their children. Yeah, well, the majority of buyers for the book are actually typically parents who buy oh. it for their child. Nice. Okay, there you go. Um, for some of our other traders out there that are listening or investors, do you have other than your books? Are there any other good books that people that that you've read that you would recommend the people? 
I love The Intelligent Investor by Mr. Graham. Great book. Um, read a couple of Warren Buffett books. I think like one's called The Warren Buffett Way, which is great, uh, a great way to learn about value analysis and how Warren thinks about you know just companies that he's buying. He's just buying like the entire company and how he looks at it, owner earnings, which is a great concept he came up with. Or I think he didn't come up with it, but he but he's taught it before. Um, and I really like that real estate book called uh, Am I Being Too Subtle by Sam Zell, who is a legendary real estate investor who sold his uh, office portfolio of properties. He started with nothing and he built up an office portfolio, which he sold to Blackstone for $40 billion. So very, very successful. You can't, you can't be mad about that at all. Well, man, uh, we're at the 30 minute mark already. That was that was really quick. Do you have anything else, any places that you need to send our listeners, uh, anything that they need to know before we close this up? Yeah, well, sure. If you want to follow me on Instagram, just follow me at starsocial.pro. Shoot me a message on there and I'm usually pretty quick to reply. Okay. I'll also be putting the link to your website in there and the link to your books. I'll, uh, Jack, I really appreciate your time today, man. This is a really interesting conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad we were able to do this. Me as well. Really, really enjoyed it.